You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Finally, we get the Sean Chi movie. <laughs> Sean Chi. Sean. G- I can't believe I didn't put that together in my head. Really? Like it's a joke, and I don't know if they ever did it in the comics. I assume they probably did not. No, because yeah. in the comics, there's there's never really the idea that he's Westernized. He right. actually grew up in China. He's basically and, and Bruce Lee. Es- es- yeah, yeah. Bruce Lee. If his dad had been Fu Manchu. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he was literally it's like let's bank in on this like kung fu craze, right? Uh, oh, completely. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. But you know, now it's a different time. You don't want to bring Fu Manchu into anything because he is a really bad stereotype. When Marvel announced they were doing Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, everyone was like, "We're keeping a very close eye on you, Marvel, for yeah. what you're doing with this," because a lot of people were kind of upset with some of the representations of Chinese culture in their adaptation of Mulan, which I felt like was pushing it personally for like well looking to be, to be fair outraged. that wasn't marvel's fault well it was disney, disney yeah. but same parent company well but it's a it's a very i mean really sensitive you... time both like warranted and a lot of unwarranted it... outrage too so like you have to tread carefully oh yeah you do any of it, and right? them going we're gonna do a uh one of these classic marvel characters who admittedly had a lot of stuff that is kind of racist in retrospect and we would love to have a strong Chinese American character here in the modern Marvel universe in a series of characters even. How do we do this? Stay true to some level to the continuity and yet create something that's not going to make people go, what the fuck? Is you that? cast a Scotswoman. Oh wait, no. <laughs> that's Merida, a, the wrong the Chinese Jeans. character. You turn a Chinese global criminal enterprise, you turn them into a Middle Eastern Islamist terrorist organization. Oh, wait, <laughs> shit, they did that already. Not to jump ahead, but this movie definitely, like, they take the uh, responsibility of those, like, choices, sort of. Oh, like, yeah. They know that these things in the past, like, both in the movies and in the comic book, in the movies, like, the whole way through the themes that they're playing with, they're definitely like, okay, yeah, we know this is fucked up, we did this thing. There's, there's even Easter eggs in here just for people who know something about the actor Simu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi, who got his big break with a show called Kim's Convenience, where he plays a Korean character, even mm-hmm. though he is, in fact, Chinese-American. There's an intentional joke in yeah. here about that, just to, like, nod, like, yeah. okay, that was that's weird. Just and then they <laughs> squander all that goodwill by putting the end credits, uh, setting it to everybody was kung fu fighting. Wait, no, they, <laughs> they, they don't, in fact. <laughs> I would have been okay with it. Can you I, I kind of wanted that, but they did not. Can you but, imagine with, like, the touch that this movie had throughout it? it was like, I thought they were, like, very careful with that. If it ended with that, <laughs> just like the, like, right, the fact that the, the the last half of the movie is really bad Korean animation created in a sweatshop is I well, mean, you know, right when the credits start, you just hear a gong and gong. then it goes. No, don't do that. What are you doing? They 
they did not do that. They didn't do it. No way. Yeah, so. That's everyone's turning Japanese, Chris. Get it right. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's what I'm saying is like people go, oh, yeah. well, they're Asian. Aren't they the same, right? I, I did <laughs> once at a bar have a cute chick come up to me and say, has anyone ever told you you look vaguely Asian? Which one? No. Two. I said, yes, I actually am fronting a Asia cover band. We just <laughs> really, we just do in the heat of the moment over and over. We open with that. Then we do our set, which is just in the heat of the moment. And then we close with in the heat of the moment. And then for our encore, we do in the heat of the moment. Yeah. That's because that's the only song that band had. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this was why the comics were the way they were when they came out. Because we all at one point in America were like, Asia is mysterious and cool. Well, and not only and also that, scary, but but Bruce Lee like really kind of opened the door to the martial arts movie. You know, yeah. there really hadn't been anything like that until the seventies. And after he ha ha kicked the door open, like oh, I thought it, you meant when he died. Like yeah. we started to get a lot of imports, and then American filmmakers started going like, oh well, we should do this too. So you started to get kind of these Asian martial arts exploitation films. Sure. And then Marvel Comics was like, hey, the kids are really into the martial arts. And if you read comic books in the 70s, there would be at least one half-page ad per comic book that was just like, learn karate. Yeah. I am Richard Dragon, and I will show you the secrets. <laughs> he, said he had the whole thing like, I teach karate. But the dark side the of karate. Dark side. And if you turn the page, you can learn about the magic power of witchcraft. Yes, which I, is will, I will. And see order sea monkeys. I actually have that book, for the record, the magic power of witchcraft <laughs> book that they used to sell. The nice. that, that was also the era when Marvel was putting out Godzilla comics in like mm. oversized editions. They were licensing stuff and they were looking at Asia and somewhere in the middle, they decided, hey, Sax Romer. Why not? Let's buy the rights to Fu Manchu, but let's not do a Fu Manchu story. Let's do the story of Fu Manchu's son. A really interesting chapter of the Disney documentary series about Marvel where it goes into ephemera of like little bits around the side of Marvel's history. There's a whole thing about the Japanese Spider-Man and yeah. how Stan Lee was the one who was like, this is a thing. We should totally do this. Yep. That's fascinating. And even though it really focuses in on that specifically, it is a really a microcosm of the fact that we we want to sell stuff to Asia. We want to sell stuff right. to China and Japan. All that being said. How can Marvel sell them their own shit back? <laughs> All that being said, we're here to re review this new movie, which is not doing any of that, or at least it's doing it in a totally different way. I'm Chris. Joining me is Bo. Hello. Marco. Hello. And Alan. Hi. I made a joke when we started Sean Lee. That's because there is a joke in this movie, and I'm sorry, minor joke spoiler. Here he is, in fact, Americanized. He has been living in America for a while in San Francisco. He just wants a normal life, and he is known as Sean. And there's a point where his best friend played delightfully by Aquafina. God, I love her. She is so awesome. She's a lot of fun. Uh, consistently good and stuff. Consistently good yeah. and stuff. He goes, my real name, <laughs> it's not Sean, it's Shang-Chi. She's like, you're trying to hide from a multi-billion dollar corporation run by your father, you became Sean instead of Sean? Oh, you're a genius. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no wonder your dad found you. It was like, it's like if your name was Gina and you went into hiding and called yourself Gina. <laughs> Which, by the way, speaking of Gina, this is the first movie in the Marvel Universe that I'm aware of that actually drops the word vagina. <laughs> so I just want to point that out. I thought you were going to say it was the first Marvel movie that fucks. I was like, all right. <laughs> they don't, but they allude to the equipment that does. Has anyone <laughs> ever been cast in a Marvel film that fucks as much as Tony Leung, though? Uh, oh, fuck. Yes, Tony Stark. 
No, I'm just well, saying, literally no, as or a, as figuratively. Actor, though, oh, I mean, oh, like, are you saying has I, anyone hotter than Tony Long been, been cast? No, no absolutely no, not. No, it's no. a toss-up. Uh, He's up there with like the hottest. To- Tony <laughs> Long could walk into this room, which is mostly middle-aged men and a not middle-aged man, and he could make us all pregnant. Dude, he made a movie called Lust Caution with Ang Lee, where he plays a <laughs> fucking monster of mm-hmm. a human being who is the sexy romantic lead in this thing, and it's all about like this woman who's undercover who's like there to seduce him but who falls in love with him because he's just so goddamn sexy despite the fact he's basically a Nazi. Spoiler (laughs) warning, Tony Lung is the best reason to watch this movie. And Tony Lung plays the villain here. Uh, Zhu Wenwu, when we first meet him where the movie starts, is very sort of Lord of the Rings beginning. (laughs) Sauron, only with the power of the Ten Rings. Well, I mean, it's very much like... Sauron only had one ring. It's filmed in that epic Chinese movie style replete with the fleet of arrows arcing into the sky and coming down and falling upon the enemy to no effect because he is endowed with the power of the Ten Rings, these mystical artifacts that he found somehow and have made him super powerful. And we see as this goes on, it's near modern day and I've got it all. I'm a billionaire. I've like taken over the world what else can i do and he finds out there's a myth about this power to be found out in this forest and he's like i'm gonna go after that myth only to find when he gets out there to take on this myth he meets a miss it's a pretty girl myth myth Myth, yes. Yes. <laughs> a pretty girl. He's like, who can beat his ass immediately despite his rings. And he's like, oh, I've got to have her. And it's like if Sauron found a hot elf and said, you know what? I'm going to settle down. I'm going to get rid of them. I'm, I'm going to tell the orcs to go home. I'm going to take them off the payroll. And I'm just going to go straight and live a nice, normal life and have some kids. And hey man, we- every now and then, Maiar find that perfect elvish woman <laughs> that will make them settle down. And like Arwen, they go, I love you so much, I'm going to give up immortality for you that's not going to come and haunt us at any point (laughs) they have kids she dies in ways that i'm not going to spoil they explore later in the film and he kind of goes back into the whole like after his wife is dead like you know what i'm gonna go back to this whole world domination thing i should also train my son to become a murder machine yeah as his daughter as well your girl you don't get to do that even though you think he would have learned your mom was a far superior martial artist than i am but uh no martial arts for you don't know why i'm making that decision but she watches through keyholes and learns on her own anyway all that comes up later he's living in san francisco shang chi with with his best friend they're working as valets they, i mean shit hasn't worked out for him with the goal of like doing it but he's happy he kind of likes his life overall he's like yeah we, well, we let's party. not go shit but but he's he's happier doing this than being a murder machine and he's like i'll never have to deal with that my life is fine yeah. only his dad does in fact decide that he's going to try and track him down because apparently the mom gave him and his sister Two halves of a jewel as necklaces. Oh, Marvel and fucking necklaces. It's an artifact of the mystical village she is supposedly from. And so the dad apparently has decided that it's time to find that place again. It's uh, two halves of the staff of Raw is is what it basically comes down to. So dad wants them back mainly for the jewel, but also he kind of wants his son to take his rightful place by his side. I mean, all things considered, as evil masterminds go, Tony Long is kind of a cool evil mastermind dad. to be fair, he didn't like 
send him an email yeah. when they come back home. Yeah, he, he sent a bunch of dudes to try to kill him. He sent him an origami and then a bunch of dudes to kill him. I'm sending a bunch of dudes to steal this pendant from you. And if they kill you, you don't deserve to be my son. But if you whoop their ass and come over, I'll greet you with open arms. So it turns into a basically a race for time quest who is going to get to the mystical village first and stop what in Tony Leung's mind is the goal that the mystical village people are bad okay because they that's not ever gonna let you get away from so wait a minute you're saying they're all chinese people because usually the village people's gimmick was they were all five different groups firemen indian all of them they're just oh my god that explains the different factions uh one of whom is more of a police force uh the other half who are more construction and then that weird native american faction who can get there first and then once they're we're there how do we stop Tony Leung from coming in here and doing the worst thing they could possibly do, which is that there's this barrier and behind it lies a Cthulhu. And they stop him by having Wong Kar Wai make an art movie. And Tony Leung is total Tony Leung is totally distracted. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. I had a lot of fun with this. As Alan said earlier, it's kind of nice to see another just straight-up origin movie that doesn't feel like any of the other origin movie Marvel yeah. films. I mean, and what I just found, it's, when's the last Marvel origin movie, like, truly? Like, I guess Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. But even movie. then, it was already, like, Samuel Jackson's in that. It's, like, baked into the DNA of the Marvel Universe. Where this one is, like, starting off from a point, it's kind of sort of separate from the Marvel Universe. This feels, Everything we've seen before. Yeah, it feels like a true standalone. It's, it's like carving out his own true origin. I mean, they, they let this stand alone without any baggage, but there are still lovely Marvel Universe gift bags that you get. So you get like characters from the established universe. You get these very small ties that are just like, uh, see? See where this is happening? This is happening here. As the movie goes on, those get a little stronger and you can see some apron strings uh, uh, appearing. Nothing is heavy-handed. For sure. Like, all the MCU stuff is more like seasoning until the end. Until the post-credit scene. Exactly. You, You took all the Marvel stuff out the story stays exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do Until that just by changing the name of the Ten Rings, deleting one line that references the snap, and be removing another, a few yeah. uh, cameo appearances from people we've seen in previous Marvel films. Yeah. I mean, largely, it's just a fun standalone. Largely, it's Kung Benedict Fu Wong, movie. which appears in a scene yeah. that I thought was like it was funny, but it was so crowbarred in that I was like, oh god, okay, this felt yeah. awkward. I'm way sure it'll circle yeah. back. Like, I mean, yeah, this is going to be explained there's later. A, there's a joke in it that relates back to the Hulk mythos. Which I was like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, they're really putting that in I here? mean, the trailers have kind of spoiled that already. Yes, they kind of established that Tony Leung's character is, quote-unquote, the Mandarin, but he's like, I've been known by a lot of names. And it's kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, not only to that, but also to the fact that the Sax Romer idea of, of Fu Manchu was used as source material for the original comic book. It's a nod to that. He's just like, I'm very, very old. I've been around for a long time. I've been known as many things. Here's my real name. And it doesn't matter. Have I mentioned my mystic artifacts that allow me to kick fucking ass? Yeah. And a lot of that, like the speech he gives about is like names and how this thing happened in America a while back with the Ten Rings. Marvel sort of atoning for like, even with the Iron Man 3 thing, which people are sort of offended by, but then wasn't. I mean, I don't think it was offensive. They were mad because... They didn't like the reveal. But like People were like, I hate the fact the Mandarin, this important Marvel villain, was a trick. And I'm like, no, you don't. You don't care about that. Well, as I I brought up on our bonus material, which only subscribers can hear... Ding, 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 uh, ding! That, 
you know, a lot of people were upset because the Mandarin was for a long time Iron Man's major villain, and it would be like taking Spider-Man and saying, like, Doc Ock is going to be in this movie, and then it's like, wait, that's not Doc Ock, that's just guy with a bunch of slinkies taped to his back, you lied. Um, and God damn you, you for spoiling mad- my Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be mad, too, if this happened to you, to which my response was, it's like, um, the Mandarin is a silly villain, and you're silly for being upset yeah, but about this. That's, that's the idea, like, how do you do the Mandarin without it being, like, Really offensive. They have to comments on that idea. Yeah. In, a, in a smart way that integrates it in the story. I mean, the Ten, the ten Rings showed up in the very first MCU film, in Iron Man. They've been there. They're baked into the cake of the MCU from the very beginning. So they have a lot to kind of retcon and undo. Mm-hmm. And Tony Lung largely does it in a single speech. And again, he's the best reason to watch this oh, movie. Because yeah. you're amazing. just like... God damn it. You just laid the whole thing out, explained it all, and it makes total sense. He is like when they got Anthony Hopkins to play Odin, except he's not bored. Yeah. (laughs) You know, where he's like, I'm excited to do this. And he gives it his all. And he is so eminently watchable, which I don't want to shit on anybody else in this thing. I think everybody acquits themselves pretty well. I think Aquafina is an MVP in this film, for sure, as the funny Uh, sidekick who they're setting up to do more stuff they, they really further. are and like i i think one of the things that they did with this with aquafina being in this movie is because it could easily be very very too heavy as far as the emotions that you're being asked to experience and they really were like man we we need to have somebody like what's his face in the ant-man series who, who you know Luis. Can, yeah marines who can really lighten this up and they got aquafina and i would not be surprised if originally they were just like well she's just gonna be you know in a little bit of this and then they're just like man she's so fucking she, good she this. has to be in this let's, because let, she's the audience sir yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's learn really really like double down on her yeah. presence and make her that portal for the audience going like oh okay so this is what it would be like yeah. to be shang chi already knows what happened right. between him and his dad we need a character to explain all of that so. too. All these Marvel movies, it's baked into the formula of all of them is you want attractive and charismatic movie stars bantering and bouncing off each other. Like that's why they come back to these movies over and over again because it's just fun to see. And she has good chemistry. Yeah. With the lead, she has, like when they bring in more people in ensemble, that bouncing off, it's vital to like the formula of Marvel oh, movies. Yeah. Now we haven't even mentioned Michelle Yao. Yeah. So there's a crossover with Crotching a Tiger Hidden Dragon. And that is not said casually because she plays a character in here who for all extents and purposes is her character from Crouching yes. Tiger Hidden and Dragon. And she crouches and hides. Yeah. She <laughs> like, it's that introduction of this idea of like, you know how you've been fighting? Well, here's a different way of fighting that is basically wuxia fighting yeah. from Chinese filmmaking, which is a totally different style than the way everybody's been fighting for the whole rest of this film. It's which like is, that magical realism kung fu yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like, like, where it's a lot more of wire like, work. It's more like a water than stone, if yes, you will. Yeah. You know, and I, my biggest complaint is a huge fan of this type of cinema is I kind of wish they had spent more time on those training sequences. Yeah. It's like, here's the lesson you need to win. Oh, well, that's convenient. You just knock that all out in one day. Yeah, well, that's, I, that's convenient. I, it's so distinctive the way she, and she's obviously very good at, she's done it in a lot of films, but there's this wonderful scene where she's kind of showing what she can do. 
you know, which we saw a little taste of earlier in the flashback where Tony Leung meets his wife, Mm -hmm. but this totally different style of martial arts. And it felt like the whole movie is leading up to this whole, you've been doing this all wrong because your father trained you and his style is not the way to win. Well, a big theme of the movie is it's not like our style is better. His style is the wrong way. The idea is like, you are the product of both. You're the product of both. Yeah. Yeah, So you need to learn how to embrace the good, dark, uh, agreed, and, and he's already a very good martial artist. And somebody is just like, "Here's a technique that you can use, and it will kind of form fit to what you're doing already." And he's like, "Oh, okay, I get it." And they also allude to the fact that a lot of time happens in this movie that you don't see. There is the, the time that they get to the point that Tony Lung's character is trying to get to, but he is prevented from getting to, that spans some time. There's some off-camera training going on here, and I agree that would have been fun to see, but we're already clocking in no, over two I, hours. I just mean in do? terms of story. Yeah. I felt like they'd put such a focus on the martial arts and how you choose to use it. It That's felt true. like that was going to be important, and then it didn't they, really they end up They should have started important. in the middle of the it, movie. It, it, be fair, it becomes like. important like in a more... <laughs> I agree. It becomes an important in like a spiritual like mental space to get to to do it yeah. but not so much in a visual like there's not a long where his like style is visibly changing for us I mean and as well like early on there's a very impressive fight scene on a, on a city bus yeah. which reminded me of nobody for the record yeah. right. uh, it, it, but, that's the best scene in the movie there's a couple yeah. really impressive like Fight Club with uh, like yeah, the oh, yeah. Fight Club, like against the backdrop of the lights, like that whole sequence, like the action sequences throughout this movie are really good. Which is usually my main quibble with Marvel movies is all the action stuff gets really samey to me, hmm. and obviously because this one's so rooted in like martial arts movies that just by the nature of what it is, the choreography is different and it's well shot. And it, I was so pumped, and it gets to my like my main quibble with this movie. By the time we get to the end, when it starts to shy away from some of that, more it just more. goes into pure CG. Yeah, yeah like, but, with, but, with all Marvel but, movies, but the that's, last... that's all Marvel. But to, to make up for that, to some degree, I will say that I like that the third act really embraces sort of like classic Chinese mythological artwork into the continuity of like monsters and creatures that exist in this yeah. world, and they're cool looking, man. Yeah. They're really neat. That's what why they're it's, doing it's like them. a toss up for me because like. Every Marvel movie ends with like a horde of CG characters. Yeah. And then there's like a big CGI thing where I was hoping that this one have like a long martial arts sequence with him and his father, like an insanely choreographed, like the kung fu martial art movies I love. I knew it was going to give it to me and it didn't give it to me, but what we got was cool. It wasn't just like a portal in the sky yeah. or a big spaceship or something. It was. Yeah, it was a portal in the side of a mountain. It was a portal in the side of a mountain. Portal in the side of the mountain. I mean, it's it's really just Iron Man all over again. Instead of Chachari, it's weird (laughs) dragon lizard things that'll suck out your soul. And that's the the dweller in darkness. I hated watching this because I've seen one sunset and that's really (laughs) only all I need to see. But you know, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying. Like, it's refreshing when, because everyone saw Marvel will switch that up. Like, Civil War and it was just like, a hand fight. Once yeah, again, bringing up the question why they have not brought the director of the raid in to just run all their fights well, for well, that. The, the guy who did the fights for this, I, I found out recently, it was a guy named Brad Allen. The movie's actually dedicated to him. He passed away before this film was released. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who, like, from a very early age, he was like an Australian guy, I believe. He was obsessed with Jackie Chan movies. So he went to China, met Jackie Chan, and was like, I want to work with you became one of Jackie Chan's stunt crew yeah. and over the years just became this permanent fight choreographer. Yeah, He's remember, done lots and lots of stuff. I can't remember who put it out. There was a tribute video that was going around the yeah. net recently. Like, like a month yeah. ago, him. right? He, yeah. yeah. That was like, look at all the films this guy I mean, And he's did. still got films coming out. Like Kingsman is still coming out. He's done a lot of stuff. Check him out. 
it's a testament to his abilities and to that of the crew and cast that each of these fights does feel different. That does feel unique. I really love fight scenes where we're in the real world. Yes, we have that early scene between Wing Wu and his wife. And they have this lovely sort of wushu wire art style battle in this mystical wood. But then after that, it's like gritty, urban, confined quarters, scaffolding on a skyscraper or inside of a city bus. I'm loving all of that stuff. But as soon as we get into like, let's face it, it's like Chinese Narnia. Once we get into fantasy land, a lot of the weight and stakes kind of no, come out of it in the fights. I still enjoyed I everything else, but yeah. you know. I still enjoyed watching them. But let's get a final thoughts. Alan, get us started. Like I said, I was, it's refreshing to see origin story, which is weird because I remember a time probably like seven or ten years ago. So where I was like, if I see another goddamn origin story <laughs> and it's super like we get it. Like, if I had to see Batman's parents die again, if I had to see Uncle Ben die again, if I had to see any of the shit, I'm going to go crazy. And this movie comes out, and I was like, oh, an origin story. This is kind of nice. A different origin story. And I just story. turned into the middle of, like, 20 characters, the middle of their arcs that is leading to another thing. This feels like a, a true fresh start for a character. It doesn't really reinvent the wheel when it comes to that. It's the hero's journey. Like, hmm. Yes, I mean, everyone knows that Chang-Chi got his powers by being bitten by radioactive <laughs> Fu Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> Past that, like, is this kind of a cop-out, but it's like your typical Marvel brand of baseline is pretty entertaining and good. It's a bit better than that, only because the fight scenes and the choreography early on are, like, different from what we've seen in Marvel movies. But aside from maybe some Captain America stuff, it's not like it's like Kung Fu or martial arts and theme. It's like in there. The choreography is very much that. Yeah. And it, it wears it on its sleeve. The end, it wasn't bad, but it was just more of the same. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's not so bad. Like, yeah. it's fine. People are now gauging these films on a scale to where if it's not the best thing they've seen yet, it sucks. And you're like, well, stop. Please stop yeah. doing that. I mean, and this yeah. is nowhere near like the bottom rung of Marvel movies. I think it's above like the middle rung. It's up there like, at the bottom of the top for me, like it's there's like thirty of these fucking movies now, so it's hard to even like consider ranking them where they belong. But for this, yeah, I give it a solid seven out of ten. Headless furry creatures, Marco. I'm of the same opinion as Alan. This does feel refreshingly different. We're not tied into a lot of lore that's already been built into the universe. However, unlike certain characters. Shang-Chi hasn't been introduced. He hasn't been teased. We're just dropped into the world of Shang-Chi. And this might actually be the talkiest movie in all of the MCU. A lot of exposition. There's a lot of exposition dumps. There's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of explaining to do because he hasn't been introduced. This kind of falls somewhere, oddly enough, between Black Panther and the original Thor. In that you have a movie that's kind of world building on a character, on, on an ethnic minority, at least compared to America. Big surprise, kids. In China, they're not minorities. <laughs> they're the majority. Deal with it. In fact, yeah. in the entire yeah, world. Yeah, they're yeah. the majority in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, if you think bigger than your block, yes. You don't really get the world building of Black Panther because China's a real place. You do get a lot of the internecine sort of warfare and like arguments about dynasty and succession that you get in Thor. And it's kind of somewhere between those two for me. Once we get into what I'm just calling, you know, Avatar by way of Chinese Narnia... Once we get into this fantasy land, it's beautiful to look at, but I start kind of checking out. For the same reasons that Alan mentioned, we get in the interminable Marvel third act, 
which I'm sure there's a better way to do with this, but I'll be damned if I figured out a solution to that yet. It's unfortunate because this is a really fun story. As I said earlier, you cut a few things. This is a really solid wushu fantasy tentpole film that has nothing to do with the MCU until like literally the very end. It's definitely worth checking out. I'm glad I saw it. I'll definitely watch it again. And I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 adorable winged faceless ottomans get that thing was so cute i just wanted oh <laughs> when can i buy one at disneyland very, me very yes. i also don't think per- that wasn't super calculated oh, per- yeah. perversely i looked at that thing and i thought i'll bet that is delicious <laughs> <laughs> that thing is like all breast meat don't get me wrong it's, and, i'd eat it as oh, well that yeah, thing you don't have to look at his face for one thing yeah. i mean yeah. they're, they're always trying to do designer restaurant stuff at, at disney i'm like <laughs> here you go uh Bo, what do you think uh, I think that thing probably tastes better than Ewok. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Although we get the surf and turf thing going, you know, we, why not have a boat on a plant? Indoor and Chinese none, yeah. Ewok is so stringy, you know? Like, uh, they work out too oh, much. Oh, no, now that the Empire's not there, they've gotten plump. Oh, fair. Not so, not so gamey. This was exactly what I expected it to be, which was, what if Marvel decided to do a very cool mystic martial arts movie? Which is basically, you know, what Shang-Chi started out as in the comic books anyway. So it really delivered because I wasn't expecting anything more. I certainly do agree that, that yeah, there, there's some draggy spots here. There's some third act slump that can be expected with an origin movie and Marvel origin movies. Although I like them far more than a lot of other origin movies that are out there from other cinematic universes or just, you know, drop dead comic books. This Pulls the same weight as most of the uh, origin movies in the franchise. It hit the points for me for the most part. It's a good Marvel movie. It's it's charming. It's funny. They're talking their asses off because they've got a lot to deliver to you. That's sad, but where else are they going to do it? Let's uh, retcon a decade's worth of everything we told you about the Ten Rings. <laughs> a- absolutely. I was very forgiving to this movie, and thus I had a really good time. I think I actually liked it a little bit better than Black Widow. So I hesitate to say, because I can't remember what rating I gave Black Widow, but I'm going to give this 7.5 not, absolutely not Mandarin oranges (laughs) out of 10. And I think this is firmly in the middle for me of Marvel films, which when you look at all the Marvel films, that's still a very high recommendation for this is a solid, fun film if you like these sort of films. And that's when you say like the middle, like there are like maybe what, four actually bad marvel movies like I don't not even it. bad yeah, like I, even the worst of the modern mcu which i count since the hulk with ed norton being the first one even the worst ones are eminently watchable and they still are, well, not yeah, terrible yeah. you know they're just not anywhere near as good as the rest of them yeah <laughs> anyone who thinks that's the worst movie you've ever seen you need to watch more movies. Seriously. I don't want to damn it with faint praise. I'm not trying to. It's perfectly acceptable for what it is. I wish it was better than it is, but it still was really fun. I had a good time with it. I laughed throughout it. I think the casting is over on the whole really, really good here. I did have a bit of a problem with some of the action scenes, and it's not because of the choreography, which I think is excellent, and it's not because of the way it's shot. It's because they regularly default to full CG creations of the actors doing the scenes for the tremendous shots that didn't quite work. The bus fight is tremendous and works terrifically, but as the more it goes along, the more it starts encountering that where I'm like, the CG isn't quite capable of standing up to what they're trying to sell me on. And that's fine. It's not terrible. It's not terrible at all. It's just 
enough where I noticed it. And as a big fan of Chinese martial arts films, I've watched hundreds and hundreds of them and hundreds of wuxia films. I go, okay, I do. I notice this stuff. And I, so I'm a little more critical on that level because of that. My I, name is Chris and I'm working on your movies from Hong Kong. <laughs> That's you. That's, That's what me. you sound That's like. That's what I sound like. Okay, I'm okay with that. But yeah, I, I think this is ultimately charming. It's a pleasant, different direction in many ways for the Marvel Universe, even if it hits some of the familiar ways you construct the creation of a new superhero in Marvel films and, and an origin film. Not as much so as I felt like some of the other later new origin stories did, but yeah, it's different because it has to be. A largely, all but entirely Asian-American cast here immersed completely in Asian culture, in a mythological Asian culture through the last third of it. There's a lot to unpack as well, and I'm not 100% sure how I'm going to really feel about this until I see it a second time. I watch like every Marvel film, kind of watching it with eagle eyes and maybe focusing a little bit too much on the imperfections rather than just taking it in. But I did really like it and I'm going to give it seven out of 10 magical karaoke experiences you can win with B-list Marvel characters. <laughs> if this movie has proven anything, hanging out with Wong, way cooler than hanging out with Doctor Strange. Definitely the guy in the entirety of the Marvel Universe that's the dude you want to hang with. Wong would not unleash the fucking Marvel verse. He'd be <laughs> like, don't do that, Steven, because I know better. I'm going to go out and do some karaoke Please don't unlock the multiverse while I'm gone. He's so Wong, he's right. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not right. Wait, wait, wait. Two Wongs don't make a oh, right. God. 